The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Good afternoon. I'm Quentin Fottrell. I'm the managing editor for Personal Finance at MarketWatch, and I'm joined today by Greg Robb, who's a senior reporter in our DC bureau, and Andrew Kirshner, who's a personal finance reporter in New York. Uh, hi, Andrew and Greg. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being on, as always. Thanks for having us. My okay. pleasure. So today's uh, session is called Prepare for a Summer of Inflation. You might say it's topical. So let's jump in. And I warn you, it's, it's not going to be pretty. So, uh, you know, a slew of recent polls have reflected uh, Americans' financial concerns in the last month. Americans are feeling pessimistic about the economy. They're feeling gloomy about their own financial institution, about their own financial situations, rather. They're rattled by soaring prices, volatile stock market, and the double-edged sword of, um, of a recession looming on the horizon on top of that. So um, we have fears of stagflation, which we'll get to later. That's you know rising unemployment and inflation and faltering economic growth. And I know Greg thinks that word is being overused, so we're going to address that. But those fears do uh, persist. Uh, people are nervous. The rise in the cost of living is spooking Americans. Quite frankly, inflation rose 8.6% on the year through May. It hit a 40-year high. Uh, a survey of U.S. consumer confidence fell in May to a three-month low um, of 106.4, reflecting concerns about inflation. Uh, a Wall Street Journal poll released this month, conducted with Nork at the University of Chicago, said that the percentage of Americans, that's 35%, who feel dissatisfied with their finances is at the highest level since Nork began asking that question in 1972. Gallup's latest economic uh, confidence index and the CBS YouGov poll have all shown that people uh, are feeling really nervous about their finances. So that's just by way of a not very pretty backdrop. So we have the Fed meeting later today in about two hours, in fact. We uh, will have an economic forecast, uh, a rate hike, um, and, uh, and then we'll have a press conference. So, Greg, you quoted Stephen Stanley, chief economist at Elmhurst Pierpont, in a recent story, and Stanley said the May CPI was a stunning blow to the Fed's hopes that inflation would cool off anytime soon. Now, that's bad news for millions of Americans. After all, the Fed can't control the supply of raw materials for housing that has led to astronomical price increases there, can't control the supply of baby formula or other food supplies. So, so first of all, what are, what are people expecting? How likely is a 75 uh, basis point hike? And does, how, how important is it? Does it really matter at this point? whether it's 75 or 50. Okay, so I have a half an hour to answer these questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to leave this a little. Uh, 
first of all, I just want to kind of cut through a little bit of the gloom and just say to, that it's not all bad. Um, I think, um, but there is, I mean, the May CPI report was bad in the sense that people were leaning. They thought that it was going to be good news. They thought that there might be, that inflation had peaked and that it was coming down. And the, the, so the report was a slap in the sense that um, inflation didn't, it almost strengthened and broadened out a little bit. So that, that really hit everybody hard. Um, it got the sense that the Fed was going to have to be more aggressive. It was quickly followed by these stories that the Fed was going to move by 75 basis points. And when you talk about the Fed getting aggressive, that means they're going to slam on the brakes and put the economy into a recession. So the Fed's going to meet in a couple of hours and we'll see whether they do the 75 basis point hike. Um, and then they're going to give us a lot of, we're going to look, get a lot of information about how they see things. And it's going to be pretty interesting. The market has just um, really thought that now that the Fed's really going to start raising rates and be aggressive to, to curb inflation. Um, so we have, looks like an, an aggressive Fed bolstered by this May CPI report. Right. So the Fed, when it last published its economic projections, Greg, including its forecast for interest rates in March, you reported that this forecast was quote unquote widely panned. How out of touch is the Fed with what's actually happening with inflations and uh, the prospects for a, a hard landing for the, for the economy? The Fed gave us their last forecast in March and they're gonna update them today. And in March, the Fed thought that inf they forecast in their forecast that inflation was gonna come down, but the unemployment rate wasn't gonna rise. And that's kind of like, um, I don't wanna, <laughs> like a virgin birth or something. So it, that, that was a big, uh, it was almost like a miracle. So there, most economists believe that in order for inflation to cool off a little bit, there's gonna have to be a slowdown in the economy a recession is definitely likely not, you know, it's likely, but it's, um, it doesn't have to be large. It could be small and maybe we won't, maybe we can avoid it, but recession is, I mean, the base case is that the economy is going to really slow. So the Fed didn't have that in their forecast and that's why it was panned this time. We think they're going to be a little bit more realistic. They have started to talk about pain from raising interest rates to get inflation down and maybe they'll continue. Right. Uh, I promised we would return to the scary word stagflation, which I know has been used a lot. Um, high unemployment, double digit, 10% plus, slowing economic growth, rising inflation. I know you have opinions on this, Greg, is that is, we see in recession is, the possibility of some kind of recession is on the horizon, but how, how do you feel about stagflation and are we overreacting? Well, you can tell from my beard that I was around in the 1980s. I was, but I was not paying too much attention to this. I was in college, but in the in the 1980s, stagflation had a different. It meant one specific thing. It meant the period of time that happened in the 19, late 1970s, where the unemployment rate was 10 percent, and inflation was still rising. So, that was that just alarmed almost everyone because in order, you know, it just kind of went against the Fed convention. Usually the Fed will get the interest, get the employment rate up and inflation will cool. But right now the unemployment rate is record low 3%. So 
Right. It's even if it goes up, it's not. We're not talking about ten percent. We're that would be you know like a crisis. So in the, I think we're using this crisis term for something that isn't a crisis, and I think it's feeding. You know, it's somehow it's feeding into this sense of recession that Andrew can talk more about about how how gloomy people feel because I think sometimes we're overusing a fate of a phrase, you know, like we're, we're, we're trying to say the economy is in the intensive care unit. The economy isn't in intensive care unit. It's actually doing pretty well right now. So I think that's what I kind of bristle at that fact that we're using that word. Okay. Thanks for that, Greg. Uh, Andy, you were name checked a moment ago. <laughs> People are finally relieved. They can go out and go places now that they have the money to do now that they have the, feel the freedom to do it with vaccinations and they feel they can move around more freely, but they may not have the money to do it. Gas prices, airfares, hotel rooms, all significantly higher than this time last year. So that's why we called this event Prepare for a Summer of Inflation. So I wanted to ask you, Andrew Kirshner, how are people behaving? Are they changing their behavior? Do they have their heads in the sands? Sand, or are they are they making plans to cut back on their their activities over the next three months? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think on the whole, the the big answer to that is no. I mean, people are going to be living their lives in this summer. Um, inflation be damned. Um, you know, that's what I've heard again and again. I mean. You know, and it's speaking to this point that Greg's talking about, about this clash between, you know, maybe like the the, the, the mood and, and the actual money situation that people have. I mean, we're in this moment, prices keep marching up. It's for goods and services. Um, but people are still willing to spend to savor this moment right now, at least the, the, the folks that I've talked to. I mean, I talked to one guy and he, he's putting a $10,000 limit on a week's long vacation to the beach. Um, another, another couple is spending at least $4,000 on a Disney cruise for them and their um, elementary school aged uh, daughter. Uh, mother spending, you know, plus $2,000 just for one kid to go to camp. Um, and I, I spoke to uh, a travel agent organization and he said that year over year prices are up like 20 or so percent. And people are not batting an eye. They're, they're going for it. Um, you wait, know, the, wait, Andrew, let me just jump in. What yeah. is going on with these people that they're spending $2,000 on a summer camp? Well, you know, I, I think there's, again, this, this urge. What's, re, what's really pushing people is this urge to live life and get, you know, maybe with kids, like, get them out of the house. Like, I, I, I've, I've seen you around... I mean, you know, remote school is, is, you know, that that's kind of gone, that's gone now, but it's like getting people out of the house, living their lives. I mean, as one, as one guy on the one who was going to the beach said, he's like, you only live once, man. Um, and, and I, and I think that really the pandemic really sharpened that focus for us again and again. I mean, is there nipping and tucking going on for people's budgets? I'll bet. Um, I mean, the, the same guy, he, he's kind of a close horse, it sounds like. And um, he went shopping at Costco for pants the first time uh, recently. And that's, uh, he did that, you know, in this way of kind of getting himself, you know, kind of freeing up money in his mind, at least to have for this vacation. So he's, 
he's doing these things. And, and on a broad, broad scale, we're hearing from places like Walmart, where you're seeing evidence of substitution, where you're buying more generic brands instead of brand name in, in, a, in a cost saving maneuver. So, um, you know, you, again, there are these two powerful forces of inflation and, and pe people forcing forcing to cut back, but also this urge to live life and savor this moment right now. And right now, I think that urge to live and savor is is winning. Um, I mean, what happens in the fall that remains to be seen. Um, it's, it's interesting to note that we just had some retail sales numbers this morning that showed a drop for the first time in five months. Um, that, that's pulled down a lot by cars. Um, but, uh, and when you take that out, it actually rose slightly, but it's, you know, we have this urge to spend no, no matter the mood right now. Right. And we have, we get, we're getting lots of questions in and we're going to get to them as many as we can. Uh, I can't believe we're almost, it's almost at 12, 15. Uh, we have a question here, Greg, maybe you could answer it. It's uh, from how, is there a meaningful difference between slowing between slowing growth and um, and recession, other than degree, I think he's basically saying like, what's the difference between a recession? And we know that there's a technical definition of recession. You can might probably explain it, but what's what's the impact on people? Recession versus versus um, the slowing down in economic growth. I guess it it goes back to my old. Uh, uh, illusion that a recession is like an unwanted house guest. You don't know how severe their behavior is going to be or how long they're going to stay, right, before they eat you out of house and home. But but he's, I guess he's talking about degrees. Sure. That's a uh, slow growth is just like, you know, and I, which I think we're definitely going to see is um, like the economy usually grows on trend around 2% a year. 2% is probably like the average of growth we have. Um, so anything slower than that, anything slower than 2% is considered like slow growth. And a recession though would be negative growth. And the thing about a recession is it just, um, it kind of throws everything out the window in the sense that um, there'll be a lot more people unemployed, um, a lot more pain from a recession just for everyone. So right. there's a big difference. Um, and it, you know the technical term is two quarters of negative GDP growth, but um, the, I mean that's not even the technical one. That's the that's the the one that we use as reporters. Um, so you know I, there's a big difference for sure. Yeah. Um, so obviously um, the CPI report in May was ugly. Um, uh, has uh, you know, Dutch Bank has predicted that the Fed will forecast a 5.6% inflation rate, I believe, measured by the Personal Consumption Expenditure in in Index, plus a 3% inflation forecast for the fourth quarter of 2023, followed by a 2.3% rate in 2024. Now, that seems to me, I want to put this delicately, optimistic. What, what, what are the forecasts for inflation going forward, Greg? Well, I, I think that people generally think that there is going to be that some of this is caused by the pandemic and that there's supply disruptions and another. And so that at some point is going to wash out of the numbers and that inflation is going to stay this high. I mean, con consumer inflation is 8%. And so 
but the the Fed's favorite measure, the personal consumption expenditure index, is a little bit over six percent. So I think people think it's six percent is the peak. It's going to maybe come down into the four range at the end of the year. The Fed will forecast that it keeps coming down. They they are optimistic about things, and if and if they got the sense that it was going to be sticky and that it wasn't going to come down. Then we were talking about interest rates going a lot higher, six percent, seven percent. The Fed bringing interest rates up to curb inflation. They're not going to let inflation stay persistent. They, they really. So, um, you know, they're just going to watch the data like all of us. But they do think that at some point they're going to. This is going to wash out. Right. Uh, we had a question as well from Randy. Who wants to know how long this inflationary period will last and how prepared are average families to ride this out? Uh, I mean, the, those forecasts sort of predict a, uh, you know, the end of this year, inflation is, should hopefully return to, to more sustainable levels of, you know, I don't know, preferred to, preferred range of two to four percent anyway. Um, the Consumer price index is, 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 as we said, is increasing at a rate of not, not seen since in 40 years. Uh, and the White House has actually said, Randy, that, that we need to go back as far as World War II for context. Um, and, you know, there have been, I guess, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, six periods in which inflation as measured by CPI was 5% or higher, 46 to 48, 50 to 51, 69 to 71. 73 to 82, long time, 2008. So that would mostly suggest two-year cycles, except for that prolonged period of stagflation during the 1970s. But I think the difference there is that the Fed didn't have the same level of support from the White House and Congress back in the 70s and was not really sold on the idea that 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 um, Arthur Burns, the, the Fed chair for most of the 70s, was, was, was not, he was not sold on the idea that he even had the power to tame inflation such as it was, and he was probably slower to respond. Um, they also had, you know, price controls after the Second World War. We don't have that today. Um, they did have, you know, federal spending programs, you know, with um, various, uh, various, reasons um they had you know the korean war years vietnam all of that so we don't we don't so much have that but we do have geopolitical forces that are beyond our control like the russian invasion of ukraine just helped push up gas prices and we've obviously the fed can't control supply and demand of baby formula and other products but um but it seems you know from the estimates that it's more and from historical periods of inflation that we're talking about a year or two years. Is that, does that jive with what you're hearing, uh, Greg? Yeah, I mean, I think you just answered your own question. I, I, yeah, this, this inflation has only been here for a year. Um, I think Fed officials have said that they're not going to let it persist like it did in the 1970s. The inflation of the late 1970s, you know, really started in the late 60s. Um, so we only, we've only had this for a year. Uh, some people, but there are hawks and doves. You know, you have to. Investors are going to have to listen to people and keep talking to people. There, nobody has a crystal ball on this. Um, it's a post-pandemic. We haven't had a pandemic, so people are going to have to watch closely and kind of, kind of trust their gut about how they do things. 
I do think Andrew's right that people do want to live, but we're talking the people that are going to the beach and stuff are middle class people. The poor people are going to be hurt. The, the poor people are, you know, it's already, you know, hitting their budgets. But again, the Fed is going to be raising interest rates and the first people to lose their job are going to be minorities. And um, and so it's, it's kind of a tough situation for the economy all around for, for the poor income folks. Um, but it's so it's not the it's not, it's not any place where we want to be. I don't want to be Pollyannish about anything, but, um, you know, we'll just have to see how things work out. But, you know, that war is really kind of, you know, I think people have to understand that the, the war is causing a lot of this grief and that uh, no, no, no magic wand is going to fix that. Right. And, you know, it's now more expensive to own a home than to rent one uh, than at any time since 2000. Investors that may push investors to move into the rental market as people are priced out of the property market. And, and uh, clearly there's an opportunity there for those first time buyers who can't get on the property ladder. Uh, monthly payments have increased by more than 50% in just four months due to the rise in, in mortgage rates um, for those who want to take out a mortgage. Now, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it seems unfathomable that a year ago you could get a 30 year mortgage for 2.5%, right? Now we're, we're, yeah. we're, what are we up to now, Andy? 5%? Yeah, it's, it's, it's something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it seems 2.5% seems like a pipe dream today. And the, the, here's some context. The typical value of a home as of May 31st was around $350,000. Um, in January 2020, uh, before the pandemic, that's Zillow figures, it was 251,000. So, and obviously in those hot markets in California and parts of Utah and Texas and Florida, you know, house prices have just gone up by 20, 30 more percent uh, uh, in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. So um, it's been a really hard time for, for those people who are trying to get out of that rental trap and, and those who do want to buy. And as you said, uh, Greg, you know, people on low incomes are not going to be going to Starbucks. They're not going to be spending $2,000 in summer camps, right? Uh, they're going to be tightening their budgets and feeling the pinch. Andy, on that subject, what can we do to prepare for a recession? Yeah, so I think the, you know, the pandemic's early days were this very quick and very sobering reminder of how many people live paycheck to paycheck, you know, and they have no, there's no margin for error. There's no cushion to absorb the financial shocks. Um, and so the first thing that financial advisors say is build up that cushion, that rainy day fund, you know, you hear three, you know, have three months of expenses. You hear six months of expenses. You also hear people say, try not to fixate on a number because maybe it's too intimidating to, you know, have that money aside and just have any amount of excess cash available for for use. Um, so, but whatever you can do, um, you know, find a way to build up that that cash on the side, that that savings. Side note related to um, um, the Fed is one little sliver of silver, uh, silver lining in all of this is um, the APY, the annual percentage yield on savings accounts go up when um, the Fed uh, um, raises the federal funds rate. So one example, it's now 
seven, uh, 0.73% is your average online savings account yield um, now, according to one expert, and that's up from 0.54%. So build it up. Next, also related to the Fed, people say pay down your debts, especially your credit cards, because when interest rates go up, APRs go up, um, so it becomes more expensive to carry your balance month to month. Um, lastly, you know, if you're going to um, go ahead with big picture, big purchases like a home or a car, I mean, think hard. Is, that, is this really something I can afford now? Um, and if it is, lock in your rate right now. Um, that's, you know, so you, you have your rate right now because everything is just going up. So those, those are some of the highlights. And lastly, as far as investing goes, um, I mean, this is like file this under easier said than done, but take your emotions out of it. Um, you know, avoid a hasty wholesale market exit that's going to sideline you from your eventual market rebound, but also avoid stock purchase splurges that if you can't answer this question of why you think this company is worth this purchase, because otherwise you're fighting the market risk of every is still driving it down and you know a gradual thought out portfolio rebalancing is is a totally legit move um but uh rash rash reactions um to the news of what's going on not so much and, and last don't don't check your uh brokerage account or 401k account five times a day right don't drive yourself crazy doing that i hear people talk about it all the time they're like oh my 401k account Right. And here's a lesson. Like there are things that you, you can't control, just like the Fed can't control certain things. So why, why torture yourself? We have a question here. We have some comments and questions from Steve was asking about when we hit peak inflation. I think we've sort of covered that. Greg says, Bob says like, Greg, I too lived through the seventies and eighties. Um, one similarity is that energy prices drove a lot of the inflation back then. Um, uh, so he he also um, references stagflation. We've covered that. Um, we also have a um, question from from Lee. How fast do you expect to see the Fed Reserve discount rate increases to slow or demand destroy demand on the consumer side? Oh, so how 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 do you expect the Fed rate increases to slow? demand on the consumer side. How fast will that happen? Um, I saw one report, Lee, from uh, Bankrate that said rates on variable loans change within one to two billing cycles. Credit card companies need to give 45-day notice. They're going to increase their cardholders' interest rate. Um, Greg, do you have any opinion on that? I think that's the thing people are watching closely. The economy is already slowing down. It grew 5.7% last year. And this year, the estimate is 2%. Um, people are pulling back because of the filling up at the pump. Um, the Fed wants it to slow down gently. So we'll see how things will. But, it, you know, it is interesting with Andrew saying that people and, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, people keep spending. Some people think the Fed might have to raise rates a little bit higher to get demand to slow down. But that's, that's a key question. Yeah. Pierre, um, Andrea. Apologies if I haven't pronounced your name correctly. Uh, what strategy do you recommend for an investor that needs to sell equities to buy a house within six to eight months? Oh, 
I'm going to say, wait, don't sell equities in a down market. Otherwise, that house will cost you a lot more than you bargained for. Um, uh, I don't know if anybody disagrees with that, but avoid if you can. Avoid, avoid. Um, uh, abort that mission if at all possible. Um, so I want to also, we're at 1227. I want to ask you um, both. I mean, I, I, I think there's some good news here. It does look like the housing market is slowing showing some signs of cooling at least uh there was one uh, study by altos research that said that more than 25 percent of homes in the market right now have actually cut their price stark contrast to how prices have been climbing uh last spring only 14 percent of houses on the market were cutting their prices under normal circumstances they say it's about a third but obviously nothing about this market is normal len kiefer deputy chief economist at freddie mac said recently that the U.S. housing market is at the beginning stages of the most significant contraction since in activity since 2006. Um, he told my colleague, Arthi uh, Swaminathan, that home purchase mortgage applications are down 40% from their most recent peak in 2021. Um, so, and Arthi, you know, I urge anybody to check out her housing coverage, particularly over the last couple of weeks. It's been really fantastic covering the the, the 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 um the movements there and the slowdown and the overvalued the, the the overvalued housing markets as well in in some parts of the country you know 50 percent overvalued in, in in some parts uh so uh, i wanted to ask greg and andy uh greg let's go to you first is there any silver lining in all of this but yeah i'm there's tons of silver lining in this i i think yeah. um I, I mean, on housing, the big thing we don't know is if prices are going to come down. Everybody has a different opinion. The market is definitely going to be, the housing market is definitely going to be impacted from the Fed raising rates. So we'll just have to see if people, you know, and some people say it's going to be in, you know, the big cities, it won't fall as much. But I think we'll have to watch that very closely. I, I mean, I, I think there's always opportunity for people. It, this seems like, you know, we're in a situation where it seems like it'll never end, but let's, you know, look six months in advance. Let's look at Christmas and we can have another conversation around in December and see where we are and see if we can come through this period. You know, it, maybe it'll be a brief thing. Okay. Andy, silver linings? Uh, well, I, I mean, I bonds uh, with a 9.62% return. Um, that that's good. Uh, uh, you know your savings rate. Uh, you know, I mean the 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 APYs on your savings on your uh, savings accounts. Those are going up. I don't know. You know, you're biking more. You're walking more. Getting those steps in to save some money and, and avoid um, you know uh, avoid all that money at the gas station. Um, all right, that's all right. That's a little bit ingest a little bit um you know in some cold comfort but i mean i you know this pandemic i mean different stages i mean first off i i think about those really really super scary days in in, in the early side of the pandemic and this is unpleasant to be sure but to greg's point about stagflation and 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 in real crises i mean we're at, we're at you know three percent jobless you know jobless rate i mean think about like the, that april jobs report in 2020 and how scary that was i mean it's times like these we we just i think 
it's challenging us to think about what really matters um, in, in, in your life and what you're, what's worth the money. Um, you, you know, it, it, what's stuff and what really matters. And, you know, that's always a good thing for us to think about no matter the situation, I think. Right. Uh, Joseph says that, you know, it seems to me that to bring demand down and thus lower inflation can also involve uh, messaging uh, the consumers to cut down on their consumption as it directly relates to inflation. I mean, people will cut down, but unfortunately, rent and food are, are two of the most uh, the biggest uh, expenditures for housing that relate to inflation and they uh, they it's impossible to I mean you can you know cut down on them but it's it's very difficult you can stop eating out you can buy generic brands you can buy food that's you know past its sell-by date even if it's not past its its expiration date uh, there are things you can do but it's 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 very difficult especially for those who are I guess who are counting their their uh, dollars and cents. I think uh, we've got through a lot of questions, not every question, but I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to thank Andy and Greg, uh, Andy Kirshner and uh, Greg Robb for joining me. Um, and I uh, also want to say, please join us again tomorrow. Uh, Baron Senior Managing Editor, Lauren R. Rubin, Rublin and Deputy Editor, um, Alex Yule will be discussing the outlook for tech companies and individual stocks. So thank you for listening today. Uh, watch those dollars and cents. Stay healthy. Don't lose any sleep over your 401k if you can. Have a wonderful rest of your day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.